Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here. I wanted to take a second to explain what exactly Teacher Talk Classic is, or TT Classic. Every Friday, we take a look back at a previous episode from Teacher Talk from one to two years ago. You might hear some outdated stuff or dates um, or times. Sometimes CJ will be plugging an event or thing that's no longer happening. Okay, thanks for listening. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, CJ Reynolds. Justin, what's up, Jada, John Paul, Patricia. I like when I realize people's names, like either from emails or from other comments and stuff like that. It like makes me makes me happy. Um, so as people are, are signing up tonight, I'm wondering, um, has anyone not started school yet? Or or for some of you, like how long have you been in school? I don't start till Wednesday. We only have half days, like just freshmen come back on Wednesday for half day. Just sophomores and juniors come back on Thursday and just seniors come back on Friday. And then we don't start full days till the week after that. And I realize some of you have been in school for like a month. Um, John Paul saying end of the first week since August 15th, um, says Patricia T. Been at school for about a month now, said Justin. Uh, started college a few weeks ago. Jada, Jada, are you in school for education? And what is that looking like for you? Like, are you, uh, are you ed teacher? My girl Tracy is saying this uh, starts week three with kids. I've been in PD since July 31st. Are you, that is wild. What time do you get done? Christmas? Um, Jay Dobson, I'm in Australia. We're halfway through the third term of high school. Uh, so Jade, I've, my friend, um, Kafupa, what the heck is Imogene, uh, from Kafupa land on YouTube has, I follow her and it's really funny. I think a lot of us in the U S like you just forget that it's winter, like in the Southern hemisphere and it's summer up here. You think that those two things are going to match up. Um, let's see, started a month ago, started back on Thursday. Um, School for eight days now. Reynolds, can't wait until Thursday. I'm so done with summer. Oh, I'm your Williams. That's one of my students. I'm so done with summer. I'll bet if you've been teaching those little five-year-olds, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that. Uh, Jada is saying, yes, going to graduate in two years, hoping to be an elementary school teacher. That's fantastic. Um, and Tracy Pinter, I am the lead teacher in my building, so I had two extra weeks and I'm done May 22nd this school year. Wow, that's so Early. long. I see all these other people start school here in Maine on Tuesday. M-E, I think is Maine, Maryland, Minnesota. I think it's Maine. Uh, and it's cold, but it's spring. Oh, yeah, it's cold down there, but it's spring now. That's fantastic. Uh, so I'm wondering, I have another question for you. So from week to week, so first of all, for all of you that watched when we were on the beach last week, like my idea was that I would go to the beach and it would be super easy. And I would just like sit on the beach. It would be a nice backdrop talking to my phone. It ended up being like the most windy, crazy day where the not so secret wife, like built this tent around me of blankets on my chair. And then was like feeding questions. Cause I couldn't keep up with the questions when you're on your phone, one question comes up and then it just goes away. And I wasn't sure how to make them show up again. So my wife had to keep finding questions, 
feeding them to me and it was it was difficult then i go to my car afterwards i'm starving to death so i find this is troy fun i find it's mcdonald's it was like mcdonald's french fries but they were like from several hours ago and i ate a handful of them and it broke my tooth off and it hurt so bad that i saw white so as soon as i was done that i was like i had to go get like half a root canal i'm not even done yet last week and it was just a to do so thank you for sticking with me from week to week i've been talking about this new site teachers connect and look to be honest i don't just push anything right like if you've ever watched my content the things i teach or the things i I kind of like talk about um or the people that i partner with are because i think they have something viable right there and so for instance this woman lisa was asking on teachers connect um i think just today she said She's a fourth grade classroom and the kids will not stop talking. And so what could she possibly do? She has two aides in the room, I believe. And the kids, she just cannot get them to stop talking. And so I have some ideas about that, but I was wondering what you would, all of you would say, um, because I want to be able to like, what, what, here's one of the great things about this. All the comments that you leave go into the comment section below um, once I post this video. So like what you're essentially doing is like leaving like a, like a trail of ideas for people that watch this later, watch this five years, 10 years, hundred years from now, like how would you, what would you do with, with this situation? So how do you handle classrooms that in talk incessantly or students that talk incessantly and just don't ever stop? So while you're answering that in the comment section, Go ahead and leave a question about anything that you're thinking of, and we're going to try and um, and figure that out for you. You can go over and follow me on Teachers Connect. Um, I don't get paid if you follow me, or like because I get a lot of subscribers or something like that. It's just like it's just a thing that I think is is a nice platform that even exists um, and is a good tool for educators. So let's see. Um, gosh, I have so many other questions I would love to ask people, but. Uh, so my wife is looking up questions now. Oh, you look, you're looking up questions. All right. Well, that's cool. I'm here saying that ME is Maine. That is not Minnesota or Maryland or Montgomery County. And, uh, that's that. So let's jump into this and this will go as long as we need to go or well, actually we're going to dinner after this. So it'll be however long it is. Um, Andrea Snow is asking, can you talk a little bit about how you run Weird Friday? I would like to try it with my eighth graders. I get this question a lot, and I just never get a chance to get to making that video. I made it a little bit before. Weird Friday is this. It is not super structured. It's really easy, and it's kind of like an easy win at the end of the week. I made it on Friday uh, because I want it to be something that like punctuates the end of the week. But more than anything... I thought, you know, students often are into, can be into weird stuff or like things that are on the fringe, but they often don't, like we know a lot of weird stuff that just interests students. And I don't want it to be anything that's tied to my curriculum. So sometimes it's like um, how to, uh, let me think of some of the stuff I show. Reverse graffiti, right, is something I talk about, um, which is graffiti, if you think of graffiti as like spray painting onto a wall, Reverse graffiti is graffiti is removing something from a wall, whether it's paint or whether it's dirt, and then creating an image from that. And what I'm trying to do is create a curiosity in the students or create um, a hunger for learning things 
that are odd. I just think that odd people are like, just rule their lives a lot better than people that aren't right in some capacity. So sometimes that looks like uh, graffiti. It looks like the history of graffiti. It looks like the history of hip hop. It looks like um, there's a really, there's a really great video from a movie called this might get loud where Jack white from white stripes makes a guitar out of like one guitar string um, and a, a guitar pickup and a Coke bottle. There are people that create street art by there's a guy that like taped together a bunch of trash bags, put them on top of subway grates. So like those grates, if you live in the city, when the subway goes by, it like pushes air up, fills the bags up. And then this thing comes to life for just a moment before it dies. There's another guy called Andy Goldsworthy who creates art that I really like. And it doesn't just have to be art, but it's like, following what are you talking to me Check out your oh so there's um it's just a lot of stuff like that i have a playlist if you go on real rap with the reynolds uh channel go to playlists at the top where it says like about videos somewhere up there is playlists and there's a weird friday playlist and then we just merely have a conversation about it what did you think of this did you like it did you not like it the idea is for me to almost never pick something that everyone's gonna like i want to make it, because that makes it too hard. If you're trying to think of stuff that everyone's going to like, you're never going to win. So I try and find stuff that like a group of students will really, really like, and then hopefully sends them down a rabbit hole. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I want kids to like learning. I want them to get excited about something. And so if I can find some weird skateboard video, then that's what I'll show them. And it works. I have kids all the time that are like, dude, I went home and like could not stop looking stuff up about that. So if you have no idea where to get started, stumbleupon.com is my go-to. You put in all the things that you like, they have a not warning, this will suck your life away. But you hit the stumble upon button at the top and it just takes you to a random website. If you like it, thumbs up. If you don't like it, stumble upon again. And it's like this roulette wheel of content on the internet that will, like, it is your wife or her husband's going to wonder what you're doing in the bathroom for so long. And you'll be like, they'll be like, are you on stumble pond again? And maybe. <laughs> All right. What do you got? Love. Uh, just a great comment. The top one. Uh, this is just a comment. Jay, mm -hmm. well, not just a comment, but Jay yeah. Dobson is saying, to be honest, I saw one of your videos on classroom management where you use songs to stop kids from fighting and talking. I do. Karate kid too, Jam. Um, so I tried it with nine with nine-year-old visual art class, and it totally worked. Um, Jade, it works so well, I think because kids don't expect it. They expect, guys, let's calm down. All right, come on, you stand over there, you stand over there. But if you just step back and you put on like Peter Cetera or some other kind of love jam, like no one can fight during love jams. I've done the same thing with bubbles, but it, this really takes luck. I don't, I don't tell everyone to go do everything. Like. I get a lot of hate on my bathroom pass video um, because I think folks don't watch the whole thing, but it comes down to knowing who you're dealing with, knowing your students. Now you might do this in some school and it goes horrific and kids fight even more or they think you're making fun of them. It always, always, always comes down to knowing your students on some level and knowing what you can do, what you can kind of get away with, what works. And that's what it comes down to. But I'm really glad that it worked. It's her ninth grade. I'm sorry, not nine-year-old. Oh, ninth grade, not nine-year-old. Yeah. Oh, even better. Yeah. They're perfect. Especially if they know the song because they know the movie. Bam. Double win.
Vanessa, ooh, Vanessa, you, <laughs> Vanessa. Know, you know me. Um, Panto Pantoja? I'm going to go with Pantoja, but that could be completely wrong. Uh, hello, any ideas on how to make meaningful projects for a Title I school? I'm a uh, 12th grade AP government teacher and would love any input. I didn't even realize that was a class. That's fantastic. The students are highly motivated, but they have a difficult time focusing. I would, so meaningful projects. Um, geez, I, in the, I, I'm thinking of, I don't know that this would fit your classroom, but it might send you down a rabbit hole that works. I am working on creating um, an after-school program this year that's based in YouTube, <clears throat> right? And talking to kids about like how to promote their YouTube channels, how to grow their YouTube channels, but like in a good way, not just so you can be famous, but like how can you give voice to other people? I'm doing that in conjunction with a company that is creates podcasts where kids go out onto any given block and they interview every individual that lives on their block. And what they're doing is they're creating a story behind who lives on the block. They're creating um, a narrative about who lives on the block. And I'm just wondering if your AP government students could do something that would allow them to not just think, to not just research, not just think about who they are or how they feel about things, but they are informing themselves with other people's viewpoints on stuff, other people's stories on things. That could be really fun and interesting. And then if not that, like maybe it's a video, maybe it is a podcast, maybe it is um, briefer versions of that. Like they're interviewing each other. They're interviewing um, local like political figures with not just the regular questions, but like how do we cut through like this? I just feel like like when you see these this time of year when there's so many political like uh, commercials on television, how do you kind of like break through the noise of like, the regular answers and really try and get to the root of who someone is um, could really just be a fun idea. So uh, if that doesn't work, shoot me an email and I have a couple of other ideas or people I could connect you with that might have better ideas than I do. Uh, Justin Poff is asking, I don't know why I said it like that, but are there any good resources for taking the praxis? I get this question a lot. Um, and you know, the praxis is such a tricky thing. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about are you talking about the first praxis um, or the second? Because So the first one is more general, and then the second one is like content-specific. I didn't study for my praxis at all, and I am not a particularly good test taker. I failed this praxis two the first time because I, I was going to Puerto Rico that day um, with my wife before she was my wife for like three weeks to drive around, and I was a little bit too excited, I think. And I just dialed it in and that cost me, you know, $200 or whatever. Um, but I don't know it's cause it's been so long. Like if there are good books or websites. So here's what I'm going to ask Justin, hold on there. Don't give up on me. Um, if anyone that's watching this knows a good resource for the praxis, uh, could you either shout that out to Justin or just say something about the praxis? Maybe you could steer him towards something because I've been out of that game for too long now. I'm sure in the last 13 years, there's been a, whole ton of cool stuff that's come out so that that would be a, a way to get your resources also um chris lynn is saying how do you handle students complaining about other teachers um chris this happens all the time right like kids want to complain about other teachers 
I, you know, and sometimes here's the tricky part. Sometimes you get down with those teachers and you like them and you don't like someone to talk about them. And other times you're like, yeah, I can kind of see where you would get that from because that person is kind of like short tempered or doesn't grade work right away. Like, you know, it. like I, some of my favorite people I work with do not grade their work very quickly. And it's kind of this ongoing joke even between us, but then it affects the students sometimes and, and it becomes an issue. I think that kids need to know that teachers are that we stick out for one another. Like, even if like, you know, when you're growing up, like even if your family, you don't get along with all of them, it's different when someone else calls out your family. They need to know that there's this unified front and I would close the loop. And what I mean by that is if some, if a kid is complaining about it, a teacher say, well, what is it that you don't like about them? Like get the story, find out about it. And maybe not in front of a whole entire class because 30 kids complaining about someone is a lot different than one kid having a heart to heart with you. And then maybe go to that teacher or ask the kid, like, do you want me to go to that teacher? Or here's how I would handle that. Why don't you go to that teacher and say, hey, I handed in something three weeks ago. It still hasn't been graded. And I'm just wondering, like, it's it's on my mind. I put a lot of work into it. I want to know what happened to it. So you're you're learning to close the loop there either by you stepping in and mediating between that student and that teacher or teaching that student to advocate for themselves and and doing something with it. But what you're not allowing them to do is just complain to just complain. Now there's a space for for kind of like um, airing it out and that's okay. But if you're just gonna come in and like talk crap all the time, that's not cool. And you have to like, you have to learn to close the loop. You have to do something with the anger and the frustration that you're feeling and not just complain about it because that doesn't yield results. We're looking for actions that yield results. Sammy Johnson is saying, I am a third, I'm in my third year of teaching. Does the drowning feeling ever go away? Yes, it does. Uh, so first of all, Sammy, third year is a sweet spot. And I'm sure a lot of people have kind of told you that before, but um, it doesn't mean everything goes away. It just means that you're not writing lesson plans, maybe as fast and furious as you were. You have a little, you've been in a couple of fights before. So this fight is like not as new as it was before. Um, so... I'm just thinking like, what are you winning at and what are you not winning at? So double down on the things you're winning at, right? Maybe you are good at building connections. Sorry. <laughs> connections at soon. The kids are eating cookies now and there goes the rapper. Maybe you are good at planning lessons, but not implementing them. And so like you're coming up with things that you are really good at and then you are um, doubling down on them and then Look at the things that you're not doing well at and ask someone else. Like go to a teacher in, in the school that does really great or does a really great job at um, differentiating instruction or classroom management. Then ask them to like sit in on your class or if you could sit in on their class and see how they do it or why they're so good. That will just inform your practice. But it absolutely gets better. I swear to you. I thought I was killing it after five years of teaching. I switched schools and went to West Philly from Camden and a bunch of us left that year. We all left the same school in Camden, went to all different schools. And some of my friends that had taught in Camden, which is sometimes um, it used to be like the most dangerous city to live at in, in the country of in the United States. But when we went to these different schools, some of my friends were like, dude, 
just because people know that I taught in Camden, I'm like killing it. Like people just respect me and it's unbelievable. So I'm like, all right, I started school in Philly. And I'm like, yeah, I used to teach in Camden, New Jersey. And kids didn't even know where that was. They were like, is that in the burbs or something? Like, I'm not sure where that is. And they were awful. Like I went from being like, feeling like a rock star leaving Camden to feeling like I wasn't even the opening band. I was like playing in the basement of the venue. That was a stupid metaphor, but I just felt terrible. And you just keep putting in the work. You keep learning and learning and learning and learning, and you will get better. Now, here's the the last thing I'm going to say real quick, Sammy. Not just being a better teacher or not just trying to make your teaching practice makes you better. Becoming a better human being and, and giving time to yourself, caring about yourself is going to make you a better teacher getting massages, hanging out with friends, finding time to laugh, like not just being super hyper-focused on that makes you um, just a better person in the classroom. And so that's that's the other thing that I would recommend doing. Um, I'm also wondering, what was my other question I was going to ask? I forget. I forget what I was going to ask. Uh, I'm wondering, for all of you that are out there too, what is a so this is the time of year where we sit through a lot of pds and some of those pds are fantastic and some of them you're like why are we in here um what pds are were like were the best for you this year and what pds were like an absolute waste of time and i'm not saying that to just kind of like spur some sort of negativity or like you to talk crap um it just informs my practice more and I'm interested in like what people are interested in and what people are not interested in, in, in the world of professional development. So we had, uh, uh, EpiPen training this year, which was interesting. I've never thought of that. Like I've never thought I would have to do something like that. And yeah. so that was really fascinating to me. Um, there were a couple of special ed practices like professional developments that we had this year that were really engaging, really thought provoking, made me really think about my practice and how I'm doing stuff. So that's what I'm just wondering about. Um, then Kimberly Wallback. And if I don't answer all those right now, like I go back and look at all these comments later, as soon as this feed is done. Um, and I just read about them then. Kimberly Wallback is asking, what's up, Kim? Um, how do you deal with teachers complaining about other teachers? Uh, same thing I do about teachers complaining about other teachers. Um, what, what, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I sort of similar answer. Um, I don't allow it unless like, so there's, I try and give people room to feel safe. I, for my whole life, I have been a person that like, um, people confide in, right? Like whether it's a student comes to me and tells me some deep, dark, terrible secret or, or something that's going on in their life or something they're really happy about, but they're a little bit like self-conscious. They don't want everyone to know like, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, they got a trophy or they finished the Boy Scouts or something like that. Um, teachers do the same thing. And now this is a slippery slope because sometimes teachers will come to you and tell you things that are, they because they don't know what to do and they want to do something about it. And then other times it's just like, they want to just talk crap on everyone else. And the problem with that is that I think getting it off your chest and airing it out is a beautiful thing. I think it's I think it's healthy. I think it's useful. But when it just becomes this thing where we're now like all sitting around when that person gets up to speak at the meeting, you're all like laughing at them and like making fun of them. That feels good, right? They're like that's why people do it because you're all kind of commiserating together. You're all hating on that person together. There's something like enjoyable about that. But 
it is, I just don't think it makes your school a better place. It doesn't make the, the kids experience, doesn't make your experience a better place to just complain about stuff. If we're not going to do something about it, then it just like, we're just spinning our wheels. And so I let folks know that like, um, I will either take it and make it into a joke. Uh, so I'll kind of like laugh it off or I will tell them like, look, you really need to do, I, I'm noticing that this is really bothering you. You really need to do something about this. Can I suggest a few things or, um, like remind them how power, like, I think we often forget all of us, how powerful we are, how much we can like hurt someone or help someone that if you can, if you're good at like being sarcastic and talking crap, that means that like, if you're sarcastic all the time, when you're kind to someone, it's going to be met with even that much more like love because they can't even believe it. Um, so I think reminding people of like that they are powerful and they can do something with that feeling. Um, and then offering to help them through it and telling them like, I don't like seeing you like this. Like you, you, it, this is obviously, um, kind of destroying your spirit a little bit and then offer to help them. That's, that's kind of how I would do that. But in, in all, I just surround myself with better people, like not better people, but I like surrounding myself with teachers that are going after that want to do a great job that are excited about showing up to work every day that like, when I eat lunch with them, we're like uplifting one another and not just like talking crap on the kids or on the other teachers. Like I'm just not interested. So in some people you'll be able to help and some people you won't, but that's, that's what I'm thinking of for that. Did you have a thing yeah, on here, dude? Top one. Oh, top one. Um, Aurora's blue dress. That's a, kind of a hilarious name. I wonder what the story is behind that. Um, I am about to start observations this semester. Do you recommend, uh, what do you recommend I pay attention to working on becoming an English teacher? I would say that I think when students, I get students every year from different colleges that come in and sit in on my class and, and their job is to just pay attention. I would say, look for things that you think work and things that you think don't work because becoming a teacher is just as much about like finding inspiration in the things that like you will empower you and make you excited about the profession. And also all the stuff that you're like, dude, I'll never do that. That looks like a terrible idea. Or like this teacher never greets their students. They never, they're always sarcastic with, and they never have a break. They're always um, condescending or they beat their kids up about the fact that they don't do homework or they give too much homework or they don't give enough homework or they talk over the kids when everyone's talking in their class, they just keep teaching and don't stop. So it's about informing those sorts of things also. And then I would write down all manner of questions for teachers. Like, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? And then see if they'll ask, answer them after class because, you know, we can think we know what we're seeing. So sometimes people come into my class and they think they know what's going on. They think that someone's getting away with something because they're not doing work. They think that a kid sleeping on my couch is getting away with something, is not doing work for the day. And I've had folks get like really pissed off about that. And like, what, what this kid's just sleeping on the couch, so you, you don't make them do work, but they don't know that like someone died in their family or that they have, they suffer from migraines or they have a severe depression issue. And my rule in my class is every once in a while, right? Can't be a lot. Maybe it's one, two, three times a year. You have the opportunity to just check for the day. Something's going on. You show up first period, 
you and your mom just had, um, can we figure out what's going on yeah. with this? Darn. Um, you and your mom are getting in, are in an argument and you show up. Your dog died last night. Your brother was killed. Like you're not doing work that day. And you know what? Those kids still show up to school because they need the consistency. They need the care. They need to step away from the madness at home and then come into your classroom and feel better about the moment. Um, or, or give themselves a chance to, to, to check out for a minute, you can just chill on the couch. That's your job for the day, bro. Like, and so I think asking those questions and finding out answers um, is a good way to grow when you're in, in the classroom, like doing those observations. Uh, the, oh, L, I apologize. I'm not going to get your name right. Ellie Zanner, close, uh, says, Thanks. I have a question. Could you, what are you asking? Could you, okay. Um, could you give ideas on what you do on your daily literature classes to spice things up? I noticed that if I just analyze the text, students get distracted. Sure. They get bored. Um, and I think I would say one, I like to tell them what I think is awesome or point things out because sometimes kids don't know what to look for or, and just like any, like if you were, if you never watched baseball before and the first time you went, someone hit a home run or, or did something great, you have no idea that that's like an amazing thing to do. So you have to point these things out. You have to point out like if Faulkner has these incredibly long sentences, that that is an actual feat, that there are competitions in the United States based on that, that if someone can use imagery in a certain way. So um, quick ideas are sometimes we read to music. Sometimes I read to my students and I don't think that that is letting your students get out of anything. It's still reading, uh, but you're just making it more interesting and showing them that it's interesting. I think leaving off at an integral part, like, like a cliffhanger moment and then saying like, uh, I'm trying to think of something amazing in a book, but like something where there's a cliffhanger, you send them home and that's the homework is to find out what happened. Right. So they actually, there's a, there's a want to go on. You didn't just stop mid sentence in the middle of some boring ass old paragraph, but you like left them hanging. I think getting other students to read, I'm, I'm not a big round robin reader, but I do like uh, when kids that read really well reading class. I think reading books as plays, you can find the play version of almost any book online and reading it as a play uh, makes things more fun. Um, and I think doing things like, you know, having kids lay on the floor and like close their eyes and like trying to imagine what's being read and then playing key music behind certain parts amps it up. And then you're reading it in a certain way just makes it more fantastic. Uh, I just think some of those really, really help uh, engage, engage your readers. Uh, Uh, I have zero idea what this. Um, Kimberly Wallback is asking, what is the best way to start a long-term sub-assignment? I, so I substituted for like three days once and I hated it. Um, it wasn't a long-term sub thing, which might've been better. I would say, oh gosh, it, so much of this weighs on who you're subbing for. Like, do they have a good class? Do they not have a good class? What grade are you subbing for? Um, but mostly, Kim, I would say try and have fun with what you're doing and let the students know that you're there. 
but you actually care, right? Like my first day of school video, I talked about like, I like to tell students how excited I am, that I'm pumped to be here, that I'm glad that I could be of service to this teacher and help them out in this time. Um, and then I think I would like talk to your students and find out more about them so that you could uh, like teach them in a way or through a lens that is interesting to them. Even if you can only institute like little tiny bits of that, it's still worth it. And then I think um, I like doing nice stuff for people. I think if someone was, if I was filling in for a long-term sub position and somebody was out and like, they were going to have a, like a maternity leave because they're having a baby or because they had to get an operation or because someone died. Like I would have the kids write cards. I have, the, I have students do this every year at all random parts. And I got this from my friend Hillary at school who used to have the students write really short letters to all the teachers on teacher appreciation day. And I've since taken that idea and I've done it for a whole bunch of stuff. So if, like, I know someone's having a particularly hard time in their class right now. I might ask like a dozen kids to like, Hey, um, this is what I want to do. I want to send something really nice to this teacher who wouldn't mind writing a card. And then you get the kids that really like them to send something. So maybe while that teacher's out, like you have the kids do something really nice for them, um, would be a really great move. And especially you can even do that like in the first couple of days of your, of your subbing. And it doesn't take too long. Have them draw a picture or something like that would be a really cool idea. We got from you, buddy. Uh, bonus fiddle. That's, I want to know this, the history behind some of these names, like bonus fiddle. Um, how do you get your principal on board for an awesome idea? Well, I would first say Richard Royster, who's watching this right now, who's a principal in Kentucky, maybe could answer this as well. But how do you get your print? Oh, he did already. Dope. Um, how do you get your principal on board for an awesome idea? There's a really cool art studio that I want to take. Uh, a walking field trip to, I teach math. I think, first of all, connect it to your class, whether you connect it directly to your curriculum or maybe to the school's mission statement or to the, um, like whatever the core values of your school are and say, look, I know we care about this and then I'm teaching this. Here's this great opportunity that the students go. This is what they're going to do. If you can connect it to STEM, if you can connect it to like, you know, it's, it's it's pretty easy at this point. I've connected all kinds of lessons that are not seeming that seemingly have zero to do with literature to class trips from doing graffiti downtown and alleyways safely was not illegal to um, having artists come in, having entrepreneurs come into my classroom, having comic book artists come into my classroom, and then spinning that into the curriculum, but what you're really doing is getting kids excited about showing up to school and about coming to your class. And I think when you can do that with these small extracurricular activities, it makes reading the next day or having a discussion easier because they're going to buy into your class more and you're um, creating a space where you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's also connecting those students because they went somewhere together. And you all know that like whenever you have an outside experience with anyone, right? Like if you don't get along with your principal, but then you find yourself on a field trip sitting next to one another on the bus and you have a really great conversation, like it bonds you in a sort of way. And then the next time something comes up, it's like, no, we're already kind of connected in this way. So that's what I would do. And don't, don't expect the worst, expect the best. Like, Hey, look, I got this really like ask, like you're already going to get it. I have this really great opportunity. I think the kids are going to love it. 
And um, so I guess my last piece of advice would just be make it about the kids. Uh, you have a far better chance of something getting accepted if it's about the students and not about this thing that's going to make your class really great. Tracy Pinder, my buddy, is saying it's more directed to everybody. anyone. Oh, so she's asking this to everyone. Anyone incorporate volunteer work in their school? And if so, where? How do the students respond to it? We have volunteer work all the time. Um, our students have to do after school programs uh, two days a week. The freshmen and the sophomores do, but they can get out of doing that by doing by volunteering to do stuff. Sometimes it's like cleaning the, the lunchroom after lunch. Sometimes it's moving football equipment. Sometimes it's helping new teachers like organize their classrooms or coming in a little bit before school starts to help them like reset their school library or scan in books or, or, or I think I already said organize things. But there are all kinds of opportunities and I like that better and a lot of times than doing after school programs because it was seen forced and I think whatever creates buy-in for your school, where a student is connected not just to the classes, but to the teacher outside of the classes, it creates a different level of buy-in in your in your school. Um, so that's what I've done. Uh, top one. Uh, Aurora's Blue Dress is also asking thoughts on maybe using film and literature class to increase interest as well. I do that all the time. Um, so I, I think... Some people overdo it and some people show a ton of movies. And I've been, I've fallen into that trap before just because I, I mean, I thought they were interesting, but like if you're teaching magical realism, right? Uh, I used to do this whole lesson of magical realism, but my guys like couldn't wrap their head around magical realism. It's like, um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, it's like a story where something's totally normal, um, where it's like real world and then something weird shows up right like the very old man with enormous wings right old story there's not there's no like magic in it or anything like that but then this old dude shows up with wings one day and my guys like don't get it it's too weird for them so i've either shown um pan's labyrinth which is in spanish so they have to read the subtitles which is you know bonus uh or the green movies like the green mile or um What's that other Reese Witherspoon, Paul Walker, Tobey Maguire movie? Uh, Pleasantville. And comparing, I think, if especially if you're reading something and comparing it to a film, that works. I think also using music in your class. Like, you know, I've used everything from J. Cole to Lupe Fiasco to any number of other artists, um, Kanye West. And then, like, the some of the elements we're looking for in story exist in those songs and then connecting those two things uh sometimes unlocks the literature a little bit top one my man Amir Amir Williams my student is asking I'm going to be an actual class officer this year and I have a lot of great ideas the student council did it last year too but our principal keeps shutting them down without explanation um suggestions I would say Maybe go to, so I, I'm, this is a hard one because I know because I'm at the school. Um, but if anyone else was stuck in this situation, I would say asking someone else like what they would do, like maybe going to the department, uh, like the, uh, who am I thinking of? Like the, your grade level chair or whoever's in charge of your grade level. So if you're in the ninth grade, going to the ninth grade chair, or the 11th grade, going to the 11th grade chair. I would think asking teachers that you trust, like going to them and asking them for advice because they might have a better insight or they might have a clear understanding as to what the principal's looking for or just going to the principal and saying, hey, this is what I'm noticing. 
that like I'm bringing things up and they're not kind of like getting approved. So what are some of your visions? What are some of your ideas as to like some things that we could do? And that might just give you a better reference point. Like it might give you something to go on in terms of like what the administration thinks is important and what they would be willing to let you do. And I think once you get a track record of doing a number of things successfully, you start getting, uh, They'll, they'll trust your judgment more and they might just start letting you do some of the things that you wanted to do in general. Someone said, how do you become a teacher's pet? How do you become a teacher's pet? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've never, I've never been successful. I was always the number two student. I was always the kid that flew under the radar. No one ever knew existed to the point where I got in trouble my senior year for stealing a book from the library, which was ridiculous because I didn't even read a book in high school. Um, and on football, nonetheless, I don't even watch sports. So it was like, I definitely didn't do either one of those things. And I got sent to the principal's office and the principal pulls me in the office, sits me down and they're like, look, I don't know how they did it where you came from, but here we don't steal stuff. And I was like, what do you mean where I came from? And they're like, well, you're new here, correct? And I said, no, I've been here for four years like this is almost the end of my senior year of high school and they couldn't believe it and I said that's why you should know that I never get in trouble because I've never ever been in here and I got out of it because that was the situation no one now I have to have a YouTube channel so people know who I am uh top one Lena is asking do you know any teachers with a chronic illness I want to work with kids but it sounds like I'm being but it sounds like being a teacher would take a lot of energy. Are there any accommodations made for teachers with disabilities? Um, I would say, look, Lena, honestly, anything can take a lot of energy. There are definitely teachers that use a lot of energy and there are definitely teachers that use the minimal amount of energy possible. Um, but I would say, you know, I'm thinking of my friend, Dustin, uh, who has a YouTube channel called Dust Tales that you might want to check out and maybe even someone you want to connect with. Dustin is, uh, he's quadriplegic. He is uh, in a wheelchair and he teaches high school and he is, he's made videos about like what it's like to try and get around a classroom, to set up a classroom in a wheelchair, to get through the aisles and navigate your classroom with a wheelchair. He now teaches at an alternative school in Orlando, Florida. And he's talked at this at length uh, in a lot of his videos. But I think, you know, Lena, for me, it's not just about the teaching. It's about who you're surrounding yourself with. Like, do you have a caring network of other teachers in the school with you that are going to help propel you to help you be at your best? And I think all teachers should think of this, not just teachers who have some sort of um, like a disability or an illness that they're dealing with. But um, because we all have shortcomings, right? And I don't, I don't mean to minimize what someone else is going through in the least. Um, like I would not compare some of the things I'm struggling with to some of the things that Dustin is, is working through. Uh, but I do think that connecting yourself with individuals that are going to empower you, that are going to help you in school, that are going to like, that you can help also is just a better move. So like when you're going for that job, keep that in mind, like that, that's your, keep in mind one that you're interviewing the school also. And that also you want to connect with the staff as deeply as you can. It's going to help your practice. Not a question. Um, 
This is MXT87 is saying, I'm wanting to go back to school for teaching, but I can't decide between elementary ed and secondary social studies. I know the two are way far apart. They are, but I would say do this. Um, see if, reach out to local schools. Maybe you're, if you're in college, they would let you do this. Like they could coordinate this as well, but just go in and, um, and observe those classrooms. Like see what seems like a good fit and then see multiple teachers in those grade levels. Because the last thing you want to do is go to someone who's like crushing it in 10th grade social studies and go to someone that is doing, having a very difficult time teaching second grade or something like that. And then let those be your determining factors. But I would like find people that are uh, at all different levels on both sides. And then also, I think if people are teaching or planning on being teaching, they should start tutoring. And you can do this on your own. You can put notices out on like Craigslist or go back to your like find local schools that need someone to come in after school and sit with, you know, a kid to help them learn their math facts or whatever it is. That's going to like let you know if kids that age are your jam or if you should be working with older kids and that will that will be a way for you to kind of like figure out what works best for you um top one me logical nonsense is saying what's what's the first day back to school best activity you recommend uh would be really appreciated i so i don't i, I guess i don't necessarily do an activity but here's what i i do right one i want the whole first day, which mine is a half day, so it's only 18 minutes, to be about me talking about how excited I am to be there and all that lie before these kids as the school year starts. I want them to be as excited as they could be the next day coming into my class. I want them leaving the first day. I don't have to be the, their favorite teacher, but I just, I guess I just can't be their worst teacher, but um, I want them to be stoked about coming to school. So what can I what stories can I tell? What trips have we gone on before? Who have come and spoken to my class? How great have some projects been? Um, am I willing to like, I'm willing to like, like order books for them or how excited I get about math or whatever it is, that's what I want to do. And then the second thing I do is I have kids write themselves a letter on the first day about what they think the school year is going to look like and about who they are as an individual. And then if you teach younger grades, I suppose you could give those back at the end of the year, or I, as a ninth grade teacher, I give those back at graduation from high school graduation. So four, sometimes five years later, those kids get those letters and it's really impactful <clears throat> and I don't read them. So that would be my other recommendation. I'm going to have a drink of water now. It's green cup. Um, what do you got? Top one. Amy Flores is asking, any, any tips on teaching non-finite clauses using ING? Uh, man, you're asking super technical questions. I don't have an answer, but that does not mean you should just hang up. Uh, what is it? Oh, I think I said her name was Amy. Ari, I, I apologize. Um, I would say, could you either, either someone that has an answer leave it in the comments. Or if you shoot me an email, I will connect you with my good friend, Taz. He teaches uh, ninth grade composition at my school and he's awesome. And I'm certain he would have an answer for you. So although I don't have an answer, I know a guy that knows an answer and I hope that that is just as good. Uh, 
Lizzie Blair Finley is saying, any thoughts on working with students who hate writing and really struggle with it? I would say, Lizzie, <clears throat> a couple things that I would do. One, maybe consider, uh, and so if some of my answers are the same a lot, it's because I have, you know, I'm pulling from the same toolbox all the time. So I uh, would say find someone that loves writing and have them come speak to your class, whether that's a local comic book artist, whether it's a college professor, a local writer, um, somebody who doesn't even do writing for a profession, but finds it therapeutic and life-giving or someone that does do it for a living and loves it. What you're doing is putting people in front of students that find what they think is mundane and making it sound awesome, right? So like we all love, like not everyone loves exercise, but you love watching videos about people that crush exercise, right? Like when that PX90 commercial comes on, you're like, yeah, this kind of looks like a good idea. Like you're making me think twice about doing this. Um, or you might not like riding your bike, but if you watch a tour de France, like that thing looks pretty jamming and makes you want to like go for a bike ride and get, maybe get some of those tight shorts like Reynolds got this summer. Um, I just think that that stirs up interest. Then I think also making your assignments shorter sometimes. So like making sure kids are writing every single day, but maybe they're writing like uh, five to eight to 10 sentences about something they're interested in. And it can be even about something completely weird. Like um, we're going to do a really quick, I want you to talk about, um, so for those of you that don't know, because I'm in the know, on Fortnite right now, there is this giant purple cube that keeps moving across the map in, in Fortnite. And no one has any idea what it is or where exactly it's going or what's going to become of it. Um, but I might do a journal entry on like, what do you think this is? Or what do you hope that it is? And then kids that might not like writing might sure as hell like Fortnite a whole lot more than writing. And now they're going to answer it. Or showing a um, video from like an artist that the kids like or something that they might not like right like you could it could be a news story that pisses them off what makes you upset about this what causes concern um by watching this or this have people having this viewpoint and then them writing about that right like getting kids either really excited or really pissed off about something fuels them wanting to share their opinion so that's what i would do is like go one of those polar opposites and then have them share out after that and that might um make them want to, to write even more after that. Isabella? Mm -hmm. Isabella Tiemann? I think that's right. Um, I love the name, Isabella. Uh, I have a chronic illness and I constantly miss school. Is this the same person? No, Is this two talking. different questions? Wow. Oh. She's talking to the person. Oh, that, fantastic. But she doesn't have a question. Um, I have a chronic illness and I constantly miss school. 32 days total last year. Do you have any thoughts on making it easier for my teachers? I know it can be frustrating if I'm never there. So, oh, it's a student. Oh, it sounds like. Oh, I think it is. All right. So, I think this is a student because um, I'm. I'm thinking the reason I would thought it was maybe a teacher was because in my school we don't always have subs. We have uh, like we substitute for one another. I think so, Isabel. I would say writing a letter, right? Because going around to all your teachers and, and talking to them could be awkward. I'm not really sure how you feel about that. But writing an email to your teacher saying like, hey, this is who I am. This is my situation. This is some of the ways that I have to kind of deal with that. Um, and put letting them know on the front end so they're not wondering about it 
really, I think, helps people understand the situation. I have a student last year um, that I helped who, like from a school that I don't teach at any longer, but was um, extremely depressed, like struggled with depression a lot and was worried that at his school, he was going to like, teachers were going to think he was like, just trying to get out of doing work or they were going to like, he was going to kind of like, they were really compassionate on the front end, but then they stopped being so compassionate. Like they were kind of like almost like you were out as welcome. Like they only had so much like kind of love and compassion to give and he had kind of used it up. And I think when students take the time to write an email to their teachers and explain what's going on, it really, really helps. And then if the teachers want to ask about it further, like they can, but not all teachers are going to ask you what's going on or ask why you're missing school or the office might tell them, but like I've had any number of students that have suffered with everything from depression to cancer. And when you don't know, you can tend to get, you get frustrated at students sometimes. So I would say just shooting an email and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what's going on in my life. Um, if you have any questions, we could talk about it or you could talk to my parents about it. Um, but I think that's a, a real easy way to go with that. Uh, top one, Alina is saying, do you have uh, a list of all your journal questions you start class with. And I think, I think I do. Um, and I can tell you what to do about that in just a moment. And also I teach middle school English and I'm thinking about moving up to high school. What are the pros and cons of teaching high school? Uh, puberty, I think is uh, one of the pros. They're done with it most of the time or at least, at least through the crazy parts. Uh, teaching ninth grade, it is much wilder in the beginning of ninth grade. The wife's going to yell kids upstairs because they're jumping off the bunk beds. No. Um, I love when she does this. Um, they, I'm thinking beginning of ninth grade, kids are one way. Beginning of 10th grade, it's like, I don't know what happened. Everyone's just calm and chill and it's a much different situation. And so I remember like if I complained about the kids in ninth grade, my friends that teach 10th grade are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That kid's fine in my class. It's like, yeah, bro. Because you like, pushed through and like made it through puberty or something like that. Uh, I think I have a list of most of the journal entries. If you want to shoot me an email at real wrap with the Reynolds at gmail.com, I'd be more than happy to send that to you if I have it. And if not, I should probably just make a list of those anyway, but I'm pretty sure someone asked me that before and I emailed them. Top one. Why do you say that? Every time I say it. Cause you're awesome. I want to say what you say. Gosh. No less in front of there's a lot of people watching this right now. Come on, love. Um, Ross Ross Suti is saying my girlfriend wants to be a teacher. Any advice? Um, I would say, like she's not a teacher and she wants to be a teacher. I you know, I would just start hanging out with teachers. I would start like being in like occupying spaces where teachers are. Sit in on a class if you want to take a couple of classes in college or even if you're not in college yet, like sometimes colleges will let you just sit in for a class or two and then seeing what that's like. And if it's something that makes you want to do it, there she goes. And then, um, or like reading books about it, watching movies about it. And then that's just going to be something that's going to like get you excited. And I think when you're going into college, that's, what's going to like, when you know why you're doing it, that how you do it becomes a whole lot easier. So it's like firming up, why do I want to do this? Um, and then the how just kind of takes care of itself. 
Now you don't have a question for me. I don't. You're young. You're reprimanding children. No, I wasn't. Oh, that's interesting. If you just want to talk about it, sure. Kind of true. Uh, J Dreamers. J Dreamer Z is saying, sorry, I was pronounced that wrong. Uh, saying K through 12 is a babysitting service to can wait. K through 12 is a babysitting service to condition children to accept the given indoctrination. It's only good for learning basic math and basic speaking skills or for winning at Jeopardy. No offense. So I would say this, Jay, uh, assuming that's your name. I don't think you're right, but this is why. Um, let me say this. I'm not going to say I don't think that you're right. I have no idea where you went to school. I don't I have no idea what your teachers. Um, so he has a couple of. Okay, cool. Um, so it depends on the teacher. So like, here, here's the thing, right? Last year I'm sitting in class. It's the beginning of the day, and I have a group of dudes that are sitting in the back, and they are talking about how much they hate school. Why do we even have to come to school? We're not learning anything. We don't do crap in that class. The teacher doesn't teach us anything. And it kind of hurt, right? Because like, I, but then I remembered that most of what I try and teach, I try and teach on the low. Like I want learning to not be overtly, overtly obvious all the time. And so it looks like we're having fun. It looks like we're just making things out of clay or drawing maps or having conversations. But what we're really doing, Jay, is in my hope is, is that we're trying to find out who we are, what makes us work, how do we think about stuff, um, how do we connect our life to the literature or to the lessons that we're learning. And that is is tricky because some, I, although I like doing it that way because I think it works, kids sometimes have no idea what we're learning or that, or that we're learning something. And so it looks like we're not really doing much of anything. And so it's tricky, but I liken it to like, when you do push-ups, like, I don't know if I'm going to use that analogy. I'm not going to, we're going to skip that one for right now. Um, but, you know, I just think that uh, there's a lot there, but it takes teachers that are willing to give that investment that are really, truly trying to bring kids up um, and give them an opportunity. That's where, like, that's where the learning really comes from. But you have to have those kinds of teachers in, in your world. I'm not even going to ask you because I already know it's the top one. It's the top one right there. Uh, Sam Josh is saying, hello, I am an aspiring high school or primary school teacher. I know the first year is the hardest with developing a syllabus and finding out how you want to teach. How do I best prepare myself? First of all, Sam, you can just email me and I'll send you my syllabus at realwrapwiththereynolds at gmail.com. And then two, I think, uh, I don't know, I think, how do you prepare yourself? I think by realizing how much you don't know, right? Like um, one of my favorite lines in Point Break is, uh, you know, you, you, when Keanu Reeves walks into the FBI, he says, this supervisor says, you know nothing. And even if you knew that you knew nothing, that would be something, but you don't even know that. And so First year of teaching, I think, and I, I don't mean that to like kind of like squash your dreams or, or make you feel bad, I, but rather to like kind of uplift you a little bit. And knowing that when you go in, everything you've learned in college is largely in theory. And then when you have to put it into practice, it's a little bit of a different animal. And so thinking of those first few years as you learning how to educate others, how to listen to others, how to take care of yourself, it's all learning curve. It's a skill that you have to learn. And so I just think people would have a whole lot of a better 
experience if they didn't think that like they didn't watch Dead Poet Society and realize that Robin Williams character like if you know that like his character is taught for a long time that's why he's able to do the things that he does for people that don't watch Dangerous Minds or Freedom Writers and then think this is it man I'm gonna go in and crush it first year you there's a good chance you're not because just because of a thousand different things. So go in having fun, being excited and being ready to learn just as much as you're being ready to teach. And then that will propel you forward and make you better and better uh, as a teacher. Ari Flores is saying, thanks, one more question. No problem. Um, how would you motivate students who are in their last year of high school? My group is really apathetic. They're never willing to work in a class and I've tried everything to help. So I would say this. I would say there's a couple of things here. Um, a few years ago, maybe almost two years ago now, um, there's a guy on YouTube named Gary Vaynerchuk. And so Gary Vaynerchuk has this call-in show. I called onto the show and I was asked, uh, he, he, I asked him the same question. I said, I have these guys, I have zero idea what's going on next in college and I'm really kind of concerned about them. What would you say to them as like a gazillionaire entrepreneur? And his answer to me was, he said, what if you could bring 10 of them up to New York, I could jam with them for an hour and I could talk to them about, about this particular thing. And he did, he sent a bus down to my school. I took 10 guys up that I thought really, really needed it. And we sat with him. And so that video exists. If you go on YouTube and just type in Gary V, Gary V high school students, it will just pop right up. And there's a little thing about me in the beginning of it, but then it's our whole sit down session. Um, that might inform you somewhat as well. Then the other thing is helping kids realize like two things. One, how to reverse engineer their lives. So what do you want to be? And then let's look at how, what the steps take to get you there. I think also one of the things I've talked about that I've been reading a lot about over the summer is this idea of a life resume. This idea that we need to get out of college and go right, or get out of high school and go right to college so that we can go right into the workforce is not for everyone. Like some kids should just like, I got an email from a kid the other day or text um, from one of my homies, Miles. He went to Costa Rica with me and it changed his life several years ago. He graduated from high school last June and he is, he hated high school. He hated everything about it. But outside of high school, he's really great photographer. He's really great at editing um, videos. He's incredibly good at parkour. He has all these things that he's good at, but school just wasn't his jam. And so he texted me the other day because he was in Amsterdam backpacking around Europe. And I thought that's the best thing that particular kid could have gone and done because that's what he needed. So maybe getting kids, not necessarily, they don't have to get excited about college, but can they get excited about living? And so as one of my favorite poets always says, uh, Buddy Wakefield says, act like you live for a living. And if you can get kids excited about that, then what that's going to do, hopefully, it's, it's going to make them look at the world, look at what's possible. And then, sorry, I spit. That was disgusting. Um, and then if they realize that teaching is their jam or being a business person is their jam or running a nonprofit is their jam or giving back to someone because they want to now be a, a doctor or something, that what that does is it opens up the doors. And then there's only one way to get to be a teacher. There's only one way to get to be um, a teacher. There's like you have to, or a doctor or a dentist or whatever, there are these avenues you have to go down. And once you are passionate and stoked about something, 
Like you don't care that it entitles going back or entails going back to school or going working extra long hours because it's something you love, right? That's why teachers work so many extra hours because we friggin' love the job. People that hate the job don't work extra hours. Their asses are in their car and out the door Wait, like the second after the bell rings. What if yes, wife? What if she was saying how to motivate them in the classroom as oh, their senior year? You just took my whole I five did. minute rant and just said. Um, how to motivate them in the classroom. I would, so I think the best way to do that, especially if they're seniors is put them in positions where people are excited about what they're doing. They're like, maybe, so one of the things I try to do and this relate this as much as you can. My students are all primarily young African-American males from, well, they're all males because it's boys school, but, um, from West, West part of Philadelphia, I try to put men in front of my boys that are doing what they want to do. So the, with the idea that if you cannot see it, you cannot be it. So when you see um, a black man from your neighborhood that's, that is crushing it as a businessman, as a doctor, as a artist, as a, I don't know, a vlogger on YouTube, like if you can see that and you have the, the opportunity to like, jam with that person and share information with that person, ask them questions. It can get you excited about other things too. And I just, you know, and it doesn't just have to be like, um, African-American men. I bring in women. I bring in, like, I try and mix it up, but what I want to do is find someone that you can identify with that you, that is doing something you would like to do or along those lines that gets you excited about it. So take trips, invite people in, read further about like people that are doing stuff that is great and um, that your students can connect with. And I think that's a really great motivator for students. Better answer? Yes. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my girl, Naturally Niani, previously known as Naturally Riani, now known as the YouTube channel Wrapped in Education, um, is saying coming from eighth grade inclusion to second to fifth grade self-contained, all at varying levels. Anyone have an idea for field trips to take them to besides pumpkin patches and apple orchards? <laughs> they love those trips. Don't like schools that, gosh, how many pumpkin patches have we been to? Uh, Someone suggested further down in the comments that they did something with Special Olympics in their area. Oh yeah, was a really great So, so uh, Secret Wife for Life is saying, um, that someone down in the comments that recommended like Special Olympics, which I think is great. And this is why I think putting young people in positions of power, not that they're better than someone else, but when you're empowering them because they're actually helping or giving um, or contributing in a way, and they're not just receiving the goodness, but giving the goodness is a really great way to get kids excited about um, being alive. other than that, what's a cool class trip? I, I, I would th- go ahead. I, I just answer. think like things like museums and like just not that usual. Like just find stuff that I, I would like, find. I so look, I would find. I here's here's an idea. Go on Instagram. Go to the search section, and then just start looking. Like put in where you live. And then what it'll do is give you a number of posts of all people that are living and doing things near where you are. Find people that are doing cool stuff and then shoot them a DM because you know what? After, I don't know, 25, 
no one's shooting DMs because no one's trying to hook up. So it's a real quick and easy way into someone's world. So I shoot DMs all the time to people. And that's how I connect with artists. Like maybe take those little kids to go see someone like blow glass or go see someone that like, um, not just go see a play, but like maybe they would give them like a behind the stage, like look at like, what does it look like to make a play go on, to build costumes, to make um, the sets, to like even what it looks like, the mechanisms to like open and close the curtains and stuff like that. I think that, you know, looking for just things that are interesting, that are going to get kids excited about learning and about the world, that's what you want to do. And that's that's how I would go about doing it. Shaking your head. You liked that answer, didn't I you? I did. Booyah. Um, Anything else? Yeah. We need to finish up. Sure. Because uh, we're going to dinner. Lena is asking, what is your favorite book to teach and why? What stories have students really responded to? Um, I like, I get to pick everything that I teach. So I like teaching the Odyssey. I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with the books that I teach because um, Odysseus seems like, like a pig. Um, but I think that's the hero's journey and it's written at a different time. So like, and I, I like the struggles that he goes through. I teach Lord of the Flies. I teach uh, Of Mice and Men. This year I'm teaching a book called Speak because I really want to um, talk about kind of like rape culture in America and women being looked at as possessions by men a lot of times and toxic masculinity and all that stuff. And I think that that book will give me that opportunity. Um, I read a lot of poetry in my class. I've read Fahrenheit 451, which is probably one of my favorite books that is liked by the students the least. It makes me crazy. Um, we read Merchant of Venice every year, which I don't really like. I'm trying to read Othello this year instead and because I have to read Shakespeare every year. Um, and those are probably my my best jams and i taught night last year and i loved it i just thought it was like it brought out a level of empathy in my students that like few other books have and it really was fantastic i think that all three of those purple things go together uh start at the top and work my way down sure. oh no it says from the bottom work my way up um veronica cora suarez is saying thanks greetings from argentina yeah yeah i know somebody in argentina um whenever i talk to my coordinator she dismisses it by saying i always find a way to manage and bring things up other teachers who might need more help than me any tips on getting my message across uh and it says sorry for the long message i'm generally given what they consider the difficult classes because i because of how i work this year they are quite a handful due to the family and learning issues so let me see if i do whatever i'm sorry i'm going to read this again because i'm i just want to make sure i have it clear Whenever I talk to my coordinator, she dismisses it by saying, oh, 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 okay. So you get all the difficult classes. You go to your coordinator. They dismiss it by saying that you always find ways to manage and bring. Okay, so here, so here's what I'm thinking I'm, I'm seeing is that you're always given the difficult classes. They, when you try and bring that to your, to your coordinator, the person in charge, they say, like, it's going to be all right because you, you, as the teacher, Veronica, always figure out a way – to like manage and get through the year. I know what this is like because I've been in this situation where like they see the good work that you're doing and so they just give you all the kids that are a challenge. Um, I, you know, I, it's a point of, I think it's a great thing to be honest. It's like, you know, I think one, sometimes writing down your grievance is better than speaking your grievance because what that does is oftentimes when we talk to people, they just think about what they're going to say next. I mean, you, you might even do this also, where like your significant other or 
whatever, or your, even your mom is like talking and you don't like what they're saying. So you just start thinking about your rebuttal. Um, writing it down stops that from happening. And it's a really brilliant way to kind of communicate your thoughts. Um, I think maybe talking to other teachers about like, what, what do the teachers in your building um, think that you should do? Because they might know that individual better. And sometimes someone that's on the outside can give us better advice than someone that's right, that like, then you would just come up with yourself. Um, and I think also maybe just understand that you get the difficult kids because you're the teacher that can handle the difficult kids and that those kids need someone that's going to really care about them. That's going to really love them. That's not going to give up on them. Um, and maybe you don't get through all those kids and maybe you need a break. I, I don't really know. Like maybe it's, it, it does get taxing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Last two years ago, I was giving them a very difficult class. I asked for them back again next year, the next year. And I got them, I taught them all last year. <clears throat> and by the end of the year, I was like, I thought my hair was going to start falling out. Uh, I think my hair was gray last year and then it turned white. Um, so I think just reminding yourself that like you're doing good work and you're caring for kids that maybe like if they brought somebody else in, they just wouldn't do as good of a job as you would do. But if that's not the case, I would say writing something to your coordinator is better than just speaking it. Um, wrapped in education, my girl is saying, I have nine different students with nine different sets of needs. I am literally planning per student. Any special educators who'd be, who can help me organize or plan more efficiently? Um, that's that's not a bad idea. Uh, email me. I'm gonna hook you up with my with my good friend Yonkers, and maybe she can uh, hook you up. She's the head of our special ed department, and she's might just have like some good tips for you. Um, is that it? No, anybody. Keep okay, uh, Miss Seldy Lou. Karam oh my gosh, I'm so bad, dude. Uh, me too. Carambio. It looks like a really cool last name though. Um, how do you teach 15, 16 year old students for the first time? Uh, find out what they like. Just ask them like, what TV shows do they like? What do they grow up with? What kind of um, stuff are they interested in? And then tailor your classes to teach through that lens. So if everyone likes Rick and Morty or Adventure Time or wrestling or Fortnite or, you know, download the app, start playing Fortnite, watch a couple of episodes of Rick and Morty, and then you'll find those commonalities. You're not trying to be cool, but you're trying to understand where your students are coming from so you can meet them there and then bring them up to where they need to be. Uh, me, Logical Nonsense is saying, it is my first day of school this week in my second year of teaching, and I'm so nervous. What's your advice or best activity that you recommend? Uh, I say... I, I think, so here, here's, here's an idea. This is one of the things I do in the beginning of the year is one of my first actual lessons is I create, um, uh, what am I thinking of? I have my students map out their life because we're going to read the Odyssey. I have them map out their life from birth till now in at least 10 moments that created the person that they've become, right? So was that, um, you're, you know, you're born was obviously like one of the most important moments of your life. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. Um, did you 
win a basketball game? Did you lose a basketball game? Did you, did, did someone, was someone born and it really affected your life? Did someone die? Did your mom get remarried and this dude is amazing and like changed your life? Did you, when did you meet your best friend? Like, um, have you ever fallen in love with someone? Have you ever broken up with someone? Like all these different events that shape our lives. Like I have kids tell that story, but the, but to be honest, first, as an example, I tell about my own life and I have um, a PowerPoint of 10 slides that talk about like, you know, the fact that I was born, the fact that my father died when I was four, the fact that I graduated high school and I was the only male in my family on my mom's side, which is who I was raised by, uh, to ever graduate from high school. It's the first male to go to college, um, having kids, getting married, living in Africa, going into teaching, wanting to be a clown, like all these things and created the person that I am now. And so this is going to do a couple of things. One, it's going to make you into a real human being. Those kids are going to see you and not just see someone that they think does math at night um, and watches shows about math and thinks about math and loves textbooks, but you're an actual human being that's been through stuff. And then it's also going to give you insight into your students are on, in a way that like no other project this year will that kids will share things that will blow your mind. Um, but will really give you some like, kind of sounds very, so like I'm in the FBI or something, it will give you good Intel on your students and like what they like and what they don't like and what made them who they are now. Anything else? No, next question. Oh, all right. Uh, Sunday lock it. Um, we are, I think I said your name, right? Probably not. I apologize. Uh, we are consistently reminded by our admin that there is a disparity between black and white males test scores on standardized tests, especially how they're written. How do you address this? Um, I think it's the truth. Um, you know, in turn, like maybe not, maybe it's not black and white. I think it's more, um, the, so, oh gosh, I just, here's how I think about this. I just ha I have an issue with tests that ask my students about things like a manatee or about a coral reef, but my students have never seen a manatee where somebody else might have had the money to go to Costa Rica, swim with manatees, experience a coral reef. And now they're asked that question on a test and their background knowledge is such that they understand it deeper. But when we take kids that are from a, a lower socioeconomic background, right, and I'm not just talking about uh, like kids of color, but anyone from socio, like low socioeconomic background that have not been able to leave their neighborhood or their block or their city in their life. And so they have the, that background knowledge isn't there when they don't have parents that read or they don't have parents that have had the luxury of traveling that, that affects the kids. And then it makes those tests difficult because they're not written for my students uh, in any way. So I think the way that you deal with it is that you just own it. That's the way stuff is written, and we're going to try and do our best. And I think the best way to do that is by building students' background knowledge, by bringing in things like having them read articles from the New York Times. And I say the New York Times because it is at a Lexile level, that is the highest um, – I think it's written on a ninth grade level, and that's higher than any other periodical um, or, or news source. And so – you're reading those things and it's giving it's giving your kids access to things that are going on in the world. And if you use the New York Times website, and I'm not, I don't care what your politics are or anything, so some people don't like the New York Times, but like um, 
if you go on, they have a they have an educational portal where they'll connect. Like, here's the story. Here's a video that connects to it. Here's questions that connect to it, and it gives you a really good jumping off point as to like how to have conversations about current events that are going to build this background knowledge up for your students, so that they can use that in reading other things, in taking tests, and having conversations about world affairs. Um, and I just think that that's a really good resource to do. Yeah. We got to go to dinner soon. Well, it's not, it's not, yeah, we have seven o'clock. Okay. Um, Anna Kozel is saying, hey, my school starts tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to using awesome ideas from your channel. Was that it? She just telling me that? Oh, it's because I pressed it. <laughs> no. There you go. Okay. Um, the whole thing you, like, I like. I was wondering, how do you deal with massive amount of paperwork? Uh, <laughs> you give me, sometimes you give me questions because you know, I think you like my answers. I, just, I give everybody's questions. I try and do everybody. Anna, I don't do all my paperwork. That's how I deal with it. Or <laughs> it's not that I don't do it, but I just, the students always come first. I never let paperwork stress me out because it's not as important unless it has something to do with like special education where I have to hand in like trackers or I have to get like an IEP. Like I have to, um, like, re what do they call it? Like recommending, I'm blanking on this. Like refer a student for special education services. Those things I take very, very seriously. Certain parent emails, not all of them, um, because, <laughs> to be honest, because some parent emails are like, I don't have to get to right away. It's not like a crucial thing, but like someone that says, Hey, my kid is going through this, or hey, I saw this. Um, it happened in school the other day. I'm wondering what what happened. My my kid won't explain it or whatever. That stuff's important, but other stuff it's just not. And a lot of times, I'll just email people back to email me and say, "Hey, I can't get to this at the moment. This is what I'm dealing with, but I want you to know it's on my mind, and I'll get it to you." And I think that can happen with paperwork too, like going to those folks and saying, "Hey, I know I didn't get you that." survey that you want the kids to do back but like we're busy hustling like we're working bell to bell every day being academically rigorous um so that's kind of how i do that and the longer you teach the the better you'll get at learning like you know sometimes i don't answer emails and then if someone emails me back again i'm like all right this was important if they don't maybe it just wasn't that important or maybe they got help from somebody else i don't know okay this is in reference to the one that she said Remember her. Yeah. Let me let me address that last question real quick. I realize how insensitive that sounds, like my answer about answering emails and doing paperwork. Um, I'm not trying to be insensitive. What I'm doing is putting priority on the students over priority on paperwork. That I that and so you know, I, I, I say that so nonchalantly, but that's just because I've been doing it for a while. But I don't think that like what other teachers are trying to do is, is bad. But I just think that sometimes like other folks don't realize what you're dealing with. So sometimes letting them know like, Hey, I realize this seems crucial to you, but like, I'm, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm not sure what I should do right now. And then they can even help you out with it themselves. Uh, what, which one? Claudia? Did I, did it move? Did I move it? Oh yeah. Veronica. It was, uh, it's just in regards to her. Oh, okay. So this is as regards to the other question. Veronica is saying, thanks. My problem is not having the difficult, quote unquote, difficult class. I can't believe I just said air quotes. Um, <laughs> I love them, but that I sometimes feel like my coordinator doesn't think I need any help even when I ask for it. Yeah. I think, man, um, 
is there someone else you could ask about that? Is there a system principal you could ask about it? Is there someone in the special ed department that you could ask for it? Um, something along those lines. I see you, Diary of a Mad Black Teacher, down there saying <laughs> happy first day of school. All right. Um, oh, was that done? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, sorry. Thought I was cutting off the question. Yeah. No. Uh, Claudia? Claudia or Claudia, depending uh, on where you're from. Um, Hi, my name is Claudia or Claudia. Uh, yes, I had a student last year or uh, like student teacher-ish person uh, whose name was Claudia and I thought it was very pretty. Um, ESL, your ESL primary teacher from Mexico City. Yes. One question. My school is implementing flipped classroom this year. Have you ever tried it? Any advice? Love your videos, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, I do. I have friends that do flipped classroom. I've thought about doing it, but I find that my students don't do homework when I do that because we go to school from eight to five some days. Some of my guys don't get home till about eight o'clock at night and I didn't want to make them do stuff at home. That being said, there is a guy on YouTube. So there's either, uh, what's John Green's website? Somebody knows, somebody shout it out on there. Um, the dude that wrote Fault in Our Stars and all those books, he has like, he has a lot of content, video content. Um, but I like, there's a channel called Hip Hughes, if you've not heard of this dude, who's just this dude, Hip Hughes, that makes videos about like all kinds of cool stuff mm. and that you can like, you can have the kids watch on their own time and then come back to class and, and use that. I think YouTube is a wealth of cool stuff to do flipped classrooms. You don't have to record yourself if you don't like to. Um, Cause I know some teachers do, but there's tons of stuff on YouTube to find that out. And then actually, um, as I've referenced before, I would even go to teachers connect and, and maybe drop that in there as a question. It's free to sign up teachersconnect.com okay. um, and sit and ask for people's resources. And I'm sure that like folks that use flip classrooms will give you a wealth of information, but hip Hughes is my, is my jam for that stuff. Top one. Calvin Jackson is saying, do you have any advice for a first year teacher or high school uh, of high school English? I would say, Calvin, um, get excited, be excited about going in and be excited about what your students are excited in, not just what you're excited in. So you might love Lord of the Flies. It might be your favorite friggin' book that ever was written. And maybe you're sitting there right now going, maybe not. Reynolds. It's not my favorite book, but think of a way that you can connect that to something that your students are interested in. Like, can you connect that to Gravity Falls or can you connect that to PUBG or can you connect that to, I don't know, the whatever rock movie comes out next. Um, and when you can do that, you're not going for cool points, you're going for relevant points. What you wanna do is be relevant to your students, to who they are, and not just think about what excited you in high school and why you wanted to become a teacher, but how can you excite your students about the class as well? Rich Royster made a good point. Rich Royster, I'm losing my voice at this point, man. Um, Rich Royster, who's my uh, buddy, he's a teacher uh, principal down in Kentucky, says, the number of times I don't, in capital letters, get to email right away and then and then when I do the person says never mind I took care of it is ridiculous I'll bet people too quick are too quick to email a question that they can figure out themselves I 100% agree that's why most of the time I wait for people to email me more than once unless I think it's crucial but like you know 
I, I, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm blanking on on an example there, but I just think that that's the case more often than not. Um, wait. Oh, Alex. Oh, so Alex is saying, "Hey, I sent. Yeah, I have a ton of emails in there. Hey, I sent you an email asking about tips for engaging students who don't want to work. Uh, I teach kindergarten." So it might be a bit different, Alex. So I was rocking emails today, um, and I have like thirty more emails in there. So yours might be in there. I'm working on them after the live feed as well. So it's on the way. I'm, I don't forget about anyone. But I would say this: uh, engaging students. I think. Look, bottom line is, kids that are motivated learn. If you know. That me growing up, I could have cared less about high school. I didn't, I wasn't interested in any of that crap, man. But when I was 14, 15 years old, I bought my first drum set. I think I was 14. But my first crappy drum set, right? It was this blue, metallic, sparkly blue drum set. I don't know why I tell you that, but I did. But I started reading everything I could. I, I, bought every drum magazine that I could. I even bought the back issues. I watched every video. I had to order them on VHS and met with drummers. I would go to bars that were three miles from my house, sit outside on a Friday night to listen to the drummer through the door play drums. And when you can find something you're interested in, the the easy part is finding the motivation to learn about it. So I think it's really about finding things that that you can how can you rope kids in? How can you get them excited about something so that you can turn that something into what you're learning about? So maybe they hate math, but you talk about practical uses of math or exciting uses of math or things that require math that your students never even thought of. Wait, are you talking about hates kindergarten, right? Yes, okay. but I think you can do that. It's like it's like the difference between like, maybe you hate lifting weights, but you know what? Rock climbing works out your arms too. And it's a hell of a lot more fun. Or surfing is a lot of work on your arms, but it's it's more fun to you maybe. So it's like kind of pivoting your class. And maybe you can't do that with everything, right? I've realized that. But you can sprinkle those things in there that you're sprinkling those bits of magic that are going to like take the kids down that rabbit hole or at least let them buy into what you're trying to sell them because you're you're getting them excited um, on the, all these little things, and it just makes the learning a whole lot more easy. And as a mom of a special education, there could be reading or processing or all that stuff. And sure. Look out for that stuff, too, because it's really important. I think of our birdie. Who yeah, so I, that's a good point. So if you didn't hear the not-so-secret wife was saying that, um, look out for things like learning differences. Like if, if someone can't read, if they're dyslexic, if they have a processing disorder, then they're not – it's it makes them not want to do it because they can't, they literally cannot do it. So sight words suck for kids that are dyslexic ABCs. or ABCs or something they're not going to learn or tying their shoes. Or if you have an executive processing disorder, right? Executive functioning. Executive functioning disorder. Like tying your shoes is not happening like for a long, long time. And so just like being patient with those kids as well. Okay, there's other ones, but- All right, there's more. Here's what I want you to do. If I didn't get to your question, because we're at an hour and 30 minutes, I'm literally losing my voice and my butt hurts. (laughs) Look at this. Let's be transparent. I sit on this, ouch. sit on this butt pad so much that it's like ripping. Um, And that's why I sit on while I'm sitting here. That was too much information. But if I didn't get to your question, you can either tune in next week or you can shoot me an email at Real Rap with The Reynolds. Um, And I have about 30 emails in there right now that I got down to today. Um, I'd be more than happy to answer your question, try and help you out with anything I can. 
Um, or you can go over to Teachers Connect, post your question there, and then someone will hopefully answer it for you there. But we won't leave you hanging either way. Gang, I hope you have the greatest week ever in the beginning of the week. Here, um, if you haven't subscribed before, subscribe, like it, hit the bell, all that crap. That's it, y'all. Peace. I just said y'all. I don't say y'all. Now I have to end this. Bam.